You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. I need to know, is anybody ready to get into the Word tonight? Okay, okay. Um, tonight, uh, if you are following along with me, if you're leaning in, where are my people leaning in? You got your Bible, got your notes? Come on, okay. If you're leaning in, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Or if you just want to follow along, everything's going to be on the screen behind me. But Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight, we're going to be continuing in our series, This Changes Everything. Look to your neighbor. Tell them, this changes everything. This changes everything. Everything, but before we get anywhere in this word, can we talk about Pastor Kent's message last week? Man, so good. If you were here last week, uh, Pastor Kent did a phenomenal job. He opened up this series, This Changes Everything. And in this series, we're talking all about encounters with God. We're talking about how an encounter with God changes everything, and it should. And so we're going to be looking at different people's encounters all throughout Scripture and seeing what we can learn through their encounter with the living God. Uh, and Ken did a phenomenal job last week. We looked at the encounter of Moses and the burning bush. Now, I know y'all are familiar with this story because <laughs> I feel like we've been in that story a lot recently and New Song students. But this is what I love about God's Word is uh, Ken pulled something totally different that we haven't touched yet, which is just like, that's just like a testimony to the fact that God's Word is alive and powerful, right? Like, you could have one passage of scripture that you read for the rest of your life, and it's alive and active. And so God's gonna give you a fresh word from that every time you get into it, which I just think is so cool. Anybody else? Okay, glad. I'm glad you think that's cool. One of the quotes that I loved from Pastor Kent's message, he said this. He said, we tend to believe God will use other people before using us, right? That's what, he, that's what Moses did. He, he thought, God's going to use other people. He's going to use Aaron before he uses me. And when we do that, when we think that way, it can keep us from getting in line. You guys remember his illustration with the food? Yeah. So, incredible message. If you didn't get to hear it, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to it. It's on the podcast. But with that being said, tonight's word, we're going to go ahead and get into it. Hebrews chapter 11. Before I read it, though. I need to give you a little context, because if I just read you this passage, it's going to make literally no sense to you. Y'all cool with a little context? So Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the faith chapter. Look to your neighbor, say faith. Faith. It's the faith chapter. It's also known as the hall of faith. Hall of faith. So it's kind of like a hall of fame. It gets its nickname, because when you read it, it's kind of like if you were to walk through a hall of fame and, and see all of these famous people for a certain thing. This is what a hall of fame is. I looked this up. This is the definition of a hall of fame. It's a hall, a wall, or a, or a walkway of fame is a list of individuals, achievements, or animals. I don't know why that's in the description of hall of fame, but that's what it says. Or animals, <laughs> usually chosen by a group of electors to mark their fame in their field. So I don't know if you know this, but we've pretty much got a hall of fame for basically anything nowadays, especially any sport. You've got the Basketball Hall of Fame, baseball, football. You've probably heard of those. Um, when I was writing this message, though, I was curious. I was like, are there any weird halls of fame that I've never heard of before? So I looked some up. 
Here are some weird Hall of Fames that maybe you didn't know existed, but they're legit. First one is this, Mascot Hall of Fame. Mascot Hall of Fame. So I don't know if it's for the mascot or the person inside of the mascot. But regardless, there's a mascot Hall of Fame. There's also a disc golf Hall of Fame. Any disc golfers in the house? Okay, okay. Disc golf Hall of Fame. This one was was interesting to me. I didn't understand it, but maybe you will. There's a caddy Hall of Fame. So not not like the professional golfer, but the dude who just carries his golf clubs, the caddy. There's a caddy Hall of Fame. I thought that was kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, There's also a, not just a cartoonist Hall of Fame. There's a Canadian cartoonist Hall of Fame. Because apparently the, ca- the Canadians have a better superior cartoon, so they have their own Canadian cartoonist Hall of Fame. There's also um, a Hall of Fame for this really nerdy game that I've heard of, but I've never played before. It's called Magic the Gathering. I don't know. And then finally, there's a robot Hall of Fame. So also, I don't know if it's for the robot or if it's for the person who invented that certain robot. Anyway, interesting. These are different Halls of Fames, but what's the purpose What is the purpose behind a Hall of Fame? It's to recognize people who made an impact, right, in a specific field or a specific area. So if you were to take the time this week to go back and read Hebrews chapter 11, what you would find is you would find this list, this Hall of Fame of all of these different people throughout the Bible who all did unique things. Every single one of their stories is super, super unique, but they're all united under one common goal, and it's this thing called faith. That's why it's called the Hall of Faith. And so with this in mind, I want to read this passage to you. This, one is, this passage right here is specifically talking about Abraham. Y'all are familiar with Father Abraham? Had many sons? Yes. Um, so this, this passage is specifically about Abraham, how God gave to Abraham before Abraham had ever seen any miracle happen, God came to him and said, hey, I want to make you a, na- a father of many nations. All you got to do is leave the land you've lived in your entire life and trust me. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal, right? And he does that. And this is what we see. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 11, starting verse 13. Here's what it says. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. So it's talking about all the people listed in the hall of faith. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. So they saw it with eyes of faith. They agreed that they were foreigners and and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Okay, if you have a physical Bible or you're taking notes on your phone or something, highlight verse 15. This is where, verse 15 and 16, this is where we're going to focus on. If they had longed for the country they had come from, they could have gone back. If they longed for the country they had come from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place. Look to your neighbor and say, better place. A better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Okay. We're going to get back to this scripture later in the message, but if you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is, This Could Change Everything. Ooh, what? This could change everything. Tonight, I want to talk to you guys about really the nature of an encounter, what we need to understand about God's purpose for encounters in our life. But before we do, let's 
pray, I wanna invite you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you so much for meeting us here. Um, I thank you for that word that you spoke through Ashley, God, that we, during worship, we get an opportunity to posture our hearts, God. We come in here every single week and maybe our alignment is slightly off. Maybe our posture is down because we've been beat up throughout the week or we've been down because of what we're facing. I thank you that during worship tonight that you supernaturally aligned our hearts with yours. And now that we're in that stance, now that our hearts are aligned with you, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us about what it means to encounter you and how to leave an encounter never the same Again, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, y'all hanging in there? You seem a little tired tonight. You good? You good? Okay. Well, uh, so tonight, I think really what, what I want to talk about tonight and really what the goal is, not just for this message, but for, for the whole series um, is, and what I feel like God is showing us, is how to keep growing after experiencing an encounter, right? Like, we all want to experience an encounter with God, a powerful encounter like the people of the Bible. Um, but what's the point of experiencing an encounter, an, a powerful encounter with him if nothing changes, right? And so the point of this whole series is how do we experience this awesome thing with God, whether that's at students on a Wednesday or for some of you next week at summer camp when you go to camp and you have an encounter with God. How do we, how do, we do something like that but leave never the same again? The reality of this truth is that there are people all throughout the Bible uh, who had very real encounters with God, like super real, uh, and they left unchanged. That's pretty crazy. Like they literally saw God do something right in front of their eyes, supernatural, maybe things that don't even happen today, like, I don't know, a donkey. God talked through a donkey at one point in the Old Testament. But people saw stuff like that and still walked away unchanged. And, and I know that this is something um, very true for Christians today, um, especially when I, think, when I think about things like summer camp. Uh, if you've ever heard somebody talk about summer camp before, maybe from a youth camp, maybe an older guy or an older gal, talking about when they were at youth camp, have you ever heard of them say the phrase camp high? Have you ever heard of a camp high before? Raise your hand if you've heard of a camp high. Okay. If you don't know what a camp high, what is a camp high? Well, it's basically what happens when uh, you get out of your normal, you get out of your normal routine, your normal whatever, and you go to summer camp. Uh, you experience God in a powerful way because you're out of your normal. You're seeking God with a bunch of people. You're getting poured into constantly for just a couple of days. I don't know about you, but more likely than not, when you're in that type of environment, you're probably going to encounter God, right? And this is what happens. So many people, they go out to camp or they go to New Song Students on a Wednesday night. They encounter God in a very real way. They feel his presence. Maybe for, for you, you hear him uh, speak to you for the first time ever and you recognize his voice. Uh, maybe for you in this encounter, God calls you into the ministry. That happened to our pastor, Pastor Josh. He went to youth camp and was called into the ministry. Maybe you get healed like physically healed at a worship night. I know people who that's, that's happened to. Maybe during a powerful moment in prayer, uh, shame that you have felt towards yourself for as long as you can remember, just in a moment in God's presence, just disappears. Nothing, no, no way you can explain it other than God did it. Maybe for you, you just experienced God 
you encounter him for the first time ever in a way that like just totally silences all the doubt that you've ever felt before. Whatever it may be, something real happens. So there's an encounter. And, and this is uh, naturally what happens after you experience something like that is you get kind of fired up about God, right? You're like, come on, that was awesome. I met God. I heard God. God did this thing for me. And you go home from camp or new song students or whatever, and you're like, I'm going to get in the word like 24-7. And like, I'm going to pray for strangers and I'm going to love my siblings even when they're jerks to me. And I'm going to get all my friends to new song students. Amen. Amen. Come on. Okay. Uh, I can, I can attest to this. I've, I've definitely experienced the camp high before. Any leaders, by the way, experienced the camp high? I have experienced the camp high. I remember one summer I went to a youth camp in high school and I was, I'd never had a good habit of like getting in God's word, but I wanted to. And I remember this specific camp. They had talked about, like, the power of God's word, and I just felt fired up. So I left that camp, and I was like, I was on that camp high, y'all. I was on another level, and I was like, man, I'm going to go home. I'm going to be in God's word so much. I'm not going to skate. I'm not going to play video games. I'm only going to be in God's word because I was fired up. And I was in God's word for, like, a day after camp, maybe two days. But then quicker than I thought, that camp high just kind of faded away. Has anybody ever experienced that before? Just like a high in real life, a physical high that you might have on a drug, over time, this encounter with God, it just kind of fades away. It fades away, and it slowly dies out. Maybe it fades away because you got too busy. Uh, Maybe it fades away because you didn't adapt your old life to this new life that you chose to live at camp. Maybe it's because you got home, and all of those old temptations that you thought were just going to disappear when you encountered God, you came home and they were all still there. And you were like, oh no, what? Those weren't supposed to be there anymore. And this is what happens to way too many of us is we go to camp, we encounter God in a really real way, but then we go home and it just kind of dies down and we forget and we go back to our normal life. And this is the question that I think that makes us have to answer. It's a really honest question. It's how can somebody have a super real, powerful encounter with God, and then go back the same. How does that happen? How does somebody encounter the presence of God in a way that changes their life forever, but only for a week, and then go home and then just go back to normal life? How does that happen? It's happened to me before. I can, I can ask myself that question personally, and I ask myself that question when I see people that, that I grew up with, that I went to the same camp, experienced the same God, the same messages, the same presence, and I walked away different, but they walked away and they left their faith. Or they just ended up saying the whole thing was just all their emotions. How how do we answer this question? How do we answer this question? I think it's an important question for us to answer. And I think it's because we don't understand the nature of encounters with God. We don't really understand why God meets us in those ways in the first place. And I think it's important for us to know. So if you're taking (laughs) notes, Woo! Jackson can't talk today. Who's taking notes tonight? Okay, let's try that again. Who's taking notes tonight? There we go. Noits. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start saying that. Is it noise or noits? All right, if you're taking notes, point number one is this. Encounters are catalysts. Ooh, big fancy word. Encounters are catalysts. You might be like, what is a catalyst? It's not a cattle. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. It's actually 
a chemistry term. Here's what it means. It's a substance that enables a chemical reaction to proceed at a usual fast rate or under different conditions. Okay, what in the world? Why am I tying this chemistry term into encounters? Okay, imagine, imagine I were to tell you, hey, tonight when you go home, I want you to go to your backyard and I want you to build yourself your own little campfire, okay? I want you to build yourself your own little campfire in your backyard. What would you do? You would go home, you would find probably a spot, like a safe spot in your backyard where you want to build a campfire, maybe some dirt where there's not like some really nice flammable grass around you, right? So you'd find yourself a nice spot to build a fire. Maybe if you're like me, you would grab some rocks and build a circle so that the fire is contained, right? So it doesn't spill out and burn your house down, right? So you build a little fire pit with your rocks. And then what else do you need? You need sticks, right? You need wood. So you'd probably go grab a pile of dry sticks, some leaves, some logs, and you'd build a fire pit. Now, when you have all of those things, when you've got the safe place to build the fire, when you've got the fire pit rocks and the pile of sticks, do you automatically have a campfire? No, obviously. You do not automatically have a campfire just because you have those things. What do you need? You need something that is a catalyst for fire something that's going to start a fire, like a spark, right? If you have a spark and all of those other things, then you're going to have a campfire because a spark is a catalyst. It's something that pushes a fire into existence. Okay, so I want to go back thinking about all this, catalysts and fire and sparks and stuff. I want to go back to uh, Pastor Kent's message last week. He talked about Moses and the burning bush, right? 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 Okay, so God uh, encounters um, Moses with the burning bush, and this is a catalyst moment. So before this encounter, we've got um, the children of Israel, right? They've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and they're way over here. They're way over here in, in Egypt. They're slaves. Then you got Moses, right? He's way over here. He's on Midian. He's watching his father-in-law's sheep. Now, that right there is our firewood and our, and our fireplace, right? That's our equation right there. There's no fire happening at this point. The children of Israel are not saved yet. We've just got them, and we've got a guy that God wants to call and use. But then the encounter comes, right? The spark. And God comes to Moses at the burning bush, and he, it's quite literally a spark, right? He comes to Moses in this encounter and says, hey, I want to use you. I'm calling you to be a rescuer. I'm calling you to lead my people. And this encounter with, with Moses is the spark. It's the catalyst. It's the turning point for like the entire story of the children of Israel. And so encounters are catalysts, but it's also important for us to understand this. Encounters introduce change. Write that down if you're taking notes. Encounters introduce change. And so what do I mean by that? Well, when God encounters Moses... He doesn't just say, hey, go free the people of Israel. He tells them all of the change he's going to do through Moses, all the things he wants to do. Look at this, Exodus 6, verse 6. He says, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people. 
and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. That's not all. He's still going. He's got another promise for them. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So in this encounter that Moses is having with God on the mountain at the burning bush, what is God doing? He's introducing all of this change that he wants to bring into Moses's life. And this is similar to what happens to you and I when we experience an encounter with God, whether that's at a summer camp, maybe next week for you, you encounter God and he introduces to you change in your life. Or maybe that's a a normal Wednesday night or a Sunday on the weekend. When we experience these very real moments with God, here's what God's gonna do to you. He's gonna introduce change into your life. He's gonna say things to, to you like, hey, I actually wanna free you from the lies that you've been believing about yourself. Like you think you're worthless, And so because you think you're worthless, you've been throwing yourself into all these relationships that actually end up leaving you feeling more worthless. And here's what I want to change. Here's the change I want to introduce you to. Your worth actually comes from me, not people, right? Or maybe he wants to invite you and introduce you into this new change of, hey, I want to invite you into freedom where you actually don't have to earn it. Like, I want to give you freedom, and right now you're trying to earn your freedom by doing all these good things for me, and guess what? You're never going to earn it. And so he introduces you this free gift of freedom. Or maybe he comes to you and he says, hey, I want to introduce this change to you. You've kind of been compartmentalizing your faith. Like, you're super hardcore Christian on Wednesdays and Sundays, but when you're with your friends, you're just a whole different person. And this is the change I'm inviting you into. Be the person I've called you to be at all times. And maybe that's the change that the Holy Spirit is inviting into you through this encounter. These are just a few examples of the many different changes that God might introduce to you through an encounter with him. So encounters are catalysts. Encounters give us something new from God. They introduce us to change, something better a new land that God wants to take us to. But here's the crazy thing about encounters. Encounters don't sustain change. I'm gonna say that again. You you should write that down because that's real good. Encounters don't sustain change. In other words, uh, it doesn't matter how real or how mighty or how powerful the encounter may be. It doesn't actually have the power to make you continue to change. Like, think, I mean, think about Peter denying Jesus. Like, if anybody, if anybody had an excuse to remain faithful to the Son of God, it was my boy Peter. Because, like, he did so much, he did three years of best friend, close contact with Jesus. He saw Jesus do plenty of powerful, mighty acts, encounters, all these things. And even Peter, when he's under the pressure, he tells people, I didn't even know Jesus. It's kind of crazy, right? The one dude who saw all these encounters firsthand, he was easily able to go, I don't even know Jesus, right? I mean, you could literally witness God split the Red Sea in front of you, and that still doesn't have the power to sustain change in your life. I say that because that actually happened to the children of Israel. Check this out. I want to read this passage to you. Um, We find the children of God. So this is after Pastor Ken's message last week. After the encounter... God takes Moses to Egypt. 
you, you know, the plagues, you got the plagues, you got Pharaoh saying, no, 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 no. Then finally he says, yes, right? Let's the people go. Then he chases them down again. God splits the Red Sea. The children of Israel see all of these encounters happen right in front of them. First-hand encounters, powerful acts. But then their camp high kind of starts to dwindle. They, start, they have this camp high. They love God. They're so excited to be free. But it starts to die out. Look at this. Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 1. This is right after the Red Sea, after they walk through the Red Sea. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month. Check this out. One month. It's only been one month after leaving the land of Israel or of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained. They were complaining. They were griping. They were moaning. It's too hot out here. My feet hurt. Moses, you're a jerk. And they complained. I'm glad somebody thought that was funny. Uh, so they're complaining about Moses and Aaron. Look at what they say. <laughs> if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. It's so dramatic. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate bread when we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve to death. So check this out. This is crazy. The Israelites are free from slavery. They're free from slavery. But it's just not really what they expected. Um, I don't really know what they expected exactly. I just don't think they expected it to be kind of hard. They thought that once they were out of Egypt, all their problems were just going to vanish out of thin air. Um, And so they witnessed God do all of these things right in front of their face, miraculous signs, um, things that God said he was going to do, and then he did. And even though uh, they weren't into the promised land yet, that God told them they were, he was literally on his way to taking them there, right? It just ended up requiring more trust on their, port, on their part than I think they were willing to give. And I think that's a trap that so many of us, you and me, find ourselves in today. We find ourselves in a similar position where we're in a place of need. Maybe you're in a, maybe you're in a place where you're a slave to lustful thoughts. Or maybe you're a slave to unforgiveness. Or maybe you're a slave to the identity that somebody's placed on you. Somebody else that they said, this is who you are. Maybe you're a slave to pleasing everybody around you. You just have to say yes to everybody or else what if I'm rejected? You're stuck and there's a life contrary to that that God wants to walk you into, a better place, a better land that God wants to take you to, but you're stuck, you're a slave. So then here comes that encounter, right? That spark. You experience God at New Song Students. Maybe that's through a message or through worship. Maybe next week you go to camp, you experience this powerful encounter with God. He meets you in a very real way, and he introduces you to a promised land in your life that's better. But more often than not, when the band gets off the stage, when the lights die down, when there's no pastor hyping you up right in front of you, we start to slip into this mindset of thinking that life before the encounter wasn't that bad. I'm going to say that again. When all the things die down and the the pretty stage and the really awesome speaker goes away, we kind of start to think maybe life before my encounter wasn't actually that bad.
But this is, this is such a lie from the enemy because guess what? Any life before an encounter with God is actually that bad. That's, the point is God wants to take you into something better. And check this out. This is exactly what the children of Israel did. They believed this lie that maybe, maybe being a slave wasn't that bad. Look at this, Exodus 6, 9. Um, Moses reminds us that it actually was that bad. This is what he says. Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. So remember, I read all those things that he was going to do for them. He tells them what he's going to do, but they refused to listen anymore. Why? Because they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Dang. So what that verse tells us is that they actually did have a really, really hard time in slavery, but the second they left all of that norm whatever was normal for them, and they got into an area where they actually had to trust God more, they started to think, maybe that wasn't so bad. Maybe that slavery wasn't so bad. Encounters with God, they introduce a better place for us to go than where we're at now. But the encounter, no matter how real it is, no matter how in our face it is, it doesn't actually have the power to make us choose change. All it does is give us a catalyst to change. So how do we walk out change? As we get ready to close, Jay, I want to invite you to put some music on for me. Uh, As we get ready to close, how do we walk out change in our life? How do we sustain change? Because I don't know about you, but when I have an encounter with God, I don't want to hear all of these amazing things that he wants to do in my life and then just throw that away and go back to my old life. And so many times we do this. And the reason why I'm preaching this message is for for everybody, but especially those of you who are going to camp next week. Because guess what? You're going to experience God in a powerful way. You're going to have encounters with him. You're going to feel his presence. But I can also assure you and promise you that you're going to go home after camp and life is still going to be hard. And the temptations that you left before camp are still going to be there. And the struggles that you may have are still going to be there. They might still be there. And instead of seeing all those things and acting like the children of Israel and saying, I guess it wasn't that bad, and then just going back to that life, how do we continue living out that life that God calls us to live after the encounter? This is what I want to answer. This is how we do it. This is the only way, and this is what God invites us into. Faith sustains change. Faith sustains change change. I don't think the Israelites realized this, but God was actually inviting them to walk in faith more than he was inviting them to walk in freedom. Like God was inviting them not just into freedom, but to just trust him, to trust that God really did have a promised land for them. And they struggled with that so much so that they wandered in the desert for 40 years when they didn't need to do that. All they had to do was have faith, but instead they wandered. It's kind of like this. You know, I want to go back to that fire analogy. When you've got the firewood, when you've got the fire pit, even when you've got the spark, you've got a fire. But how many of you have seen somebody do a fire uh, for a campfire? And they don't just do the spark, but they stick their face in there and they start blowing oxygen into that little flame. Because when you have a flame, that's great, but that flame can die out. How do you keep that flame going? You start breathing in air. You're breathing in oxygen into that. And this is what we do when we bring our faith 
to the encounter that we experience. We have the fire, we have the spark, and when we just trust what God said he'll actually do, what, it's, uh, what we're doing is we're breathing oxygen into that fire. We're growing that fire into something that actually doesn't die out, but grows bigger. I wanna go back to um, that passage that we opened up to in Hebrews chapter 11, talking about Abraham. Look at this, it says in verse 15, if they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. So just like the children of Israel, they longed to go back to Egypt because they thought it was more comfortable. They thought it was better. But this passage is specifically talking about Abraham and Sarah and how God told them to leave their country and they obeyed and they left. And it says if they had longed to go back to that old life, they could have gone back, but they didn't because they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That's why God was not ashamed to be called their God for he had a city prepared for them. You know what? Abraham's life and his journey wasn't perfect. Like he messed up a lot, but he got thrown into the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 because he did this one thing. He continued to fan the flame of that spark that God lit by just trusting that if God said he was gonna do it, he's gonna do it. And so New Song students, here's my challenge to you. I think God wants to call us to live from encounters, not for encounters. I think encounters are great and God uses them to change us. But how many of you know Moses after the burning bush, he didn't just constantly say when they were in trouble, okay, where's a burning bush? <laughs> I need a burning bush because that's how God spoke to me, right? He didn't live for that encounter, he lived from it. And that means that he left that encounter and he lived his life in faith and trusted if God said he was gonna free the people and use me, he's gonna do it. And so here's my challenge to you, New Song students. I believe God, not only at camp, but on Wednesday nights, week in and week out, he is meeting us here. You're encountering him and maybe he's introducing change into your life. I wanna free you from that addiction you have to lust or pornography. I wanna free you from that addiction that you have to pleasing everybody around you. Or I wanna call you into ministry, just like your pastors. I wanna call you into ministry because you're called and God introduces us to this change. I wanna challenge you to hold on to that through faith, to trust that even when all the lights die down, even when the band goes away, even when I finish preaching this message, that God still can do what he said he was gonna do. This is what the nature of an encounter looks like, New Song students. I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight as we get ready to close and head into small group. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. He's in this room and he wants to talk to us tonight. He knows every single thought in your head. He knows every single thing going on in your heart, in your life in your future, he loves you. He is obsessed with every detail of your life. And he wants to talk to you. And right now, I want, I would, I want to encourage every single one of us to ask this question tonight. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? 
Maybe for you, he's revealing the fact that you, you've been living for encounters and not from them. In other words, you've been viewing church on Wednesday nights or church on Sunday as your only place to hear God and encounter him or your only place to get an answer. And God is saying, hey, I want you to live from church, from New Song students, from the weekend. So that means you don't have to put your relationship with me on hold the second you leave this building. Maybe God is calling you just into a deeper relationship with him tonight. And I believe for some people, God is reminding you of change that he introduced you to maybe a long time ago that you let die out. You let that camp high die out. Maybe you forgot about it. Maybe your life got busy. Maybe you just didn't know how to apply it. But maybe for you, God introduced something to you a couple weeks ago or a month ago or a year ago. This new life that he he wants for you and, and you let it die out. And that's okay if you've done that. We've all been there. But maybe for you tonight, you just need to recommit your faith in God and say, God, I trust you. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a God of encounters, that you're not a distant God who doesn't care about what our life is about or doesn't care about meeting us. But every single time we give you an opportunity to encounter us, you show up because you're a God of encounters. And I pray that you would help each and every single one of us to steward that, to know how to experience a, a powerful encounter from you and and truly leave never the same again. That is our goal. That's our heart. We want to leave never the same again. And so help us to do that, God. In small group, as we as we talk and be transparent and real, I pray that you would speak through our leaders, speak through each and every student, and reveal to us how we can grow and walk away from from these moments with you, never the same again. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name and everybody said. <laughs>